Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Just before we chat with Bob Irving here, the voice of the Bombers, let me play a clip of Wade Miller, Bomber boss Wade Miller on CGOB this morning with our Jeff Courier. You know, this is our schedule for next year, and as we know, things change, and, and we're focused on uh, playing in our stadiums next year and, and hosting Bomber fans and season ticket members, you know, to three Thursday night football games, a couple Friday nights, our traditional Banjo Bowl, and then in the fall we get to Saturday games and have four Saturday games where, where we're, uh, you know, we're going to start new traditions on Saturdays in the fall. Um, you know, so we're looking forward to that. Bob Irving, come on in here. Good afternoon. Hey, Al, how are you? Excellent. Um, by the way, Irene just sent a text message. She says, Hal, can't wait to hear Bob. Can't wait for the game tomorrow night, 7 o'clock on CJOB. At least we have those old games uh, to listen to. And uh, listen, we will have some games uh, in the future, and we hope that they'll be played at, at IGF, and we hope they'll happen next season. Tell us a bit about the schedule here to start the chat, Bob. Well, I just got to look at it a couple of hours ago, Hal, and I know Jeff had Wade Miller on talking about it. I say the same thing every year about the schedule. It looks fine to me because, <laughs> you know, you'll, you'll have, I guess, some moments in it where you think it could be better, others where you think it's fantastic. And so, uh, to me, they all kind of run together, and, and I like it. Um, you know, they open against Hamilton. The regular season opener is against Hamilton, which was which it was going to be this year. But it was going to be in Hamilton this year. So in 2021, the Bombers will open the regular season at home against Hamilton in the long-awaited Grey Cup rematch. And I think that's a fantastic way to kick off the season. Uh, both preseason games will be against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and I don't think you can ever play Saskatchewan enough for the fans here. And I love those games too. And then three games each against Edmonton, Calgary, and BC, two against Saskatchewan. One of the changes in the schedule this year is that the Bombers and the other teams in the West won't play two games against every team in the East. The Bombers only get one game against Toronto this year. But, uh, no, I like the schedule. I, uh, there's, there's a bye in July. There's a bye in August. And I think those come at good times for the Bombers. And so, yeah, let's, uh, let's get going on 2021. Yeah, uh, back to 2019, you mentioned we can never play Regina enough. We'll play Regina here on CJLB tomorrow night. I wonder how the game's going to turn out, Bob. You know, it'll be dramatic right down to the end, <laughs> Hal. I can tell you that. There will be sort of ups and downs and emotional flows that will knock your socks off. But I, my guess is the Bombers will prevail in uh, heart-stopping fashion. How's that for a prediction? There you go. I like it. You know, this uh, Grey Cup Unite Week, Bob, I, under the circumstances, I think the CFL and the Bombers uh, here in Winnipeg have done a great job with this week, haven't they? Yeah, I think so. It's, it's very difficult. You know, this was going to be Grey Cup Week in Regina. The game would be Sunday uh, under normal circumstances. I'd be there right now. The teams would be holding their final practices today and then the walkthroughs tomorrow and the the hype and anticipation would be building toward the game on Sunday. And so that was all lost when the season was canceled. And I think the league's done a great job of making the best they could of this situation with virtual coaches news conferences this week, players available to quarterbacks yesterday. Uh, Randy Ambrosi had a State of the Union speech earlier in the week. And so 
you know, what can you do in, a, in what we're going through? And, you you know, you've got to do so much of it virtually. And I think the league did, as I say, the best they could, given the difficult circumstances we have. It's important for them to try and keep the CFL in the public eye, uh, in the media, so that people don't forget about it. Not that anybody will, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And good for TSN television. They're going to be, you know, they've been showing old great cup games all week. And, uh, they're, you know, they've done a lot of programming to try and keep the, the spotlight on the league. So I think it's all been good. Yeah. Let's assume that, you know, we're back to something closer to normal and games are happening at IGF and and all that uh, for next year. So skipping a year like that, Bob, how damaging will that be for our Bombers and for the league as a whole? Yeah, I don't think we can assess the damage, Hal, until we get into next season and get the season underway and then have a better idea of where this all is going to settle down. We all know that the teams lost money and took a hit in 2020. There's no getting around that. So there's a lot of work to be done, including a collective bargaining agreement with the players that will no doubt uh, see some changes and and could have some difficult moments in terms of negotiating it. Uh, And and then the COVID will play such a huge role in what happens next year. Uh, You know, if they can't open the season with fans in the stands, full stadiums, you know, that's going to be a problem and a real financial hit on the league again. But how do we predict that at this point? We hear all this great news about the possibility of vaccines being available as early as the new year. I mean, the CFL doesn't start playing till June, which is a long way off. So they've got time on their side, Hal. And, and I think if things break their way, the league's way, I mean, and the vaccine is available and, and COVID, the danger of COVID has largely dissipated by next June, and we're all hoping for that, or sooner, of course, uh, then I think the league will be up and running again and will it will take off where it left off at the end of 2019, which was in a, really in a good way. So there's still so much that's uncertain, but I think a lot of good things could could very well happen before the start of the 2021 season, uh, and then it's uh, we're back to, I guess, as close to normal as we could be. You know, Bob, I'm a bit PO'd, I'll be honest with you. Not at you, okay? But yeah. when I heard that the start added you every Monday to their show, Mackling, McGeary, and McNabb, I thought, that's a fantastic idea, a weekly segment with Bob. Why didn't I think of that? Uh, but I am enjoying listening to you and uh, Triple M, uh, so I guess, there's, I guess that's uh, kind of good about it. But I am a little upset that I didn't think of that idea. Well, here, here's the thing, Hal. I'm available to anybody on our station any time of the day or night. And you know what, Hal? My mm. price is right. <laughs> it is. Yes, it is. It absolutely is. Hey, uh, you and we're talking COVID fatigue today. Uh, you and Day are doing okay. Are you? Are you? I mean, like everybody else, I'm sure you're you're tired of all this, and and you you are craving normalcy. Yeah, we sure are. It's a difficult time for everybody, more difficult for some than others. And, yep. you know, we don't have a lot to complain about, Hal. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of people out there, the frontline workers and all the rest of them. Our hearts go out to them. The people have lost their jobs. And, man, oh, man, it's a tough time in our existence. Yeah. It really is. And we feel for all of them. But we're doing just fine. And I, I hope everybody Good. is making the best of this. Yeah. Bob, thanks a lot. I'll let you get back to uh, Homeland. Bob is binging Homeland, he told me this morning. What are you, at season five? I'm just toward the end of season five, and I can't stay away from it, man. <laughs> oh, man, it's a great it, show. Is it ever gripping, yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. All right, get back at it, Bob. Thanks a lot. All right, Hal. Bye. 
It's Jonathan Allward, the director of the Prairie Region for the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. Jonathan, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hal. Thanks for uh, coming on today. We didn't, I didn't have you on yesterday, so your reaction to the new restrictions, which are now in effect today. Well, you know, on, on one hand, we're happy that the province, you know, reacted relatively quick uh, to bridge what really was an unfair playing field for uh, small businesses compared to their, their big business counterparts. We saw a lot of big businesses opening because of, you know, selling maybe just a few essential items or critical items. And, uh, you know, a lot of small businesses weren't able to open up and sell clothing like maybe some of the bigger box stores. So I think that was positive. But one one thing that's important to, to recognize is the changes yesterday, they're not going to help small businesses survive really this critical holiday retail season, especially. And, um, you know, we need to make sure that we can get back to a point where we can reopen the economy safely. Um, but we're also asking the government to to consider you know, a very, very limited opening for a lot of small businesses, even those non-essential items, to try and spread out uh, the number of people shopping, just, you know, go on an appointment or a very, very limited opening basis to uh, support our smaller businesses. So how would that look then? I, I don't get the sense that Rusin would be open to that. I, I don't know. You you talk with them, uh, you know, him and other government officials on this sort of thing. Is that something that they would consider? Because, and I'll get into this in a minute, they are saying that, you know, there might need to be some adjustments to these restrictions, and I'll be a little more specific on that in a bit, but would they be open to an idea like what you've just thrown out there? Well, we're talking with them every single day, Hal. Uh, several different ministers, we have almost daily calls with them, and, and I have to be honest, like they've been, you know, completely open ears to understanding what small businesses are going through right now. And, you know, we know that a lot of the community spread isn't necessarily happening at retail. So my hope is that, you know, all Manitobans, if we can work, especially over the next couple of weeks, uh, to really drive down the numbers and really quickly reverse this trend that's been happening, then we can get to a point where maybe we can start to slightly uh, reopen uh, retail and some other uh non-essential businesses in time to still get in the holiday season and this is obviously going to take everyone buying in i think to be part of it and everyone uh working to the same to the same end goal but you know i i think that we're calling it a small business first approach and you know if we do it um doing it on an appointment basis doing it with a very limited number of customers and staff that can be in the business at once you can also do it safely Mm-hmm. We're only, what, 14 hours and a bit into these new restrictions. What are you hearing from your members? Any hiccups or, or anything popping up uh, on day one here uh, that you can add to the list of things that maybe need to be dealt with? Yeah, definitely, definitely some hiccups. I think first and foremost, it's been an enormous undertaking for a lot of businesses that were you know, able to, to be open to begin with and are remaining open since. Um, you know, organizing everything that they can and can't sell. It's not, it's still not really black and white and, and we understand to a degree why, but trying to get that clarity on, you know, is this specific item uh, listed as essential and, and then you got to catalog it, educate your staff, educate your customers at the same time. It's, it's an enormous undertaking in a short amount of time. And I hope that everyone really is understanding of that. Um you know, and at, at the same same time, there's some items that uh, we've identified that we think probably should have been 
deemed essential that haven't been yet. So we're working with the government closely to try and get that remedied as quickly as possible. What are some of those items? Can you rattle a few off for me? Well, I'll give you I'll give you one for sure, and one's gift cards. And you know, uh, cash flow right now is critical to so many small businesses especially and a gift card is a chance for you to go in and support that business with some needed cash injection even if you don't have something to buy right now um, even if you, you take a, 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 a visa prepaid card you know for a lot of people that's their their access to be able to buy things online if they don't have a credit card themselves for whatever reason um, being able to to get that I think is going to be very important and it's much more practical, to, I think, to be able to buy those in person than it is to do curbside pickup, if that's even possible. Yeah, and that was one of the specific ones I was going to ask you about, because I agree, there have been times during this pandemic where I have purchased a gift card just to support a business. I don't need anything now. I plan on using the gift card at some point in the future, but I purchased gift cards just to support the business now, and under these restrictions, the way they're written now, that's not allowed. You mentioned some people don't have credit cards. A listener said, well, how they can use their their bank card online too but uh, some people don't have bank accounts right so i mean we need to consider all this and today dr rusin did seem open to something like that gift cards he brought it up specifically or he was asked by a reporter specifically and he did seem open uh to looking at things like that and adjusting uh the public health order yeah and, and there you know there, there are a few other items we're working with the province so just to make sure that our interpretation is exactly what they meant and maybe there aren't really changes that need to happen just some more public education on the issue or some you know you know clearer language but uh you know certainly if if any of the listeners out there have items that they think that the government missed you know this is a, an enormous undertaking in a short amount of time please uh call CFIB today at 1888 Two three four two two three two, and we'll do our best to raise those with the government because they have honestly been in very uh, receptive to uh, to hearing what changes we think need to be made. Jonathan, I've said this to you many times since all this began, and I'll say it again: all the best to you and your members. Really appreciate your time. Well, I appreciate that, Hal. Thanks. Jonathan Allward is the Prairie Director, Director of the Prairie Region for the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. Dr. Cyrus Dirksen joins us now, drcyrus.com, D-R-S-Y-R-A-S.com. Cyrus, hello, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hal. How are you doing? Excellent. Always happy to chat with you because that means the weekend is very close. <laughs> it's not just that. I like you too, Doc. I, you're one of my favorites. Um, hey, hello, listen. psychology, it's a good thing to be associated with the weekend. <laughs> there you go. Nothing wrong with that, eh? Maybe you planned that. I think it was your idea to be on Fridays. Maybe you planned that. Hey, um, before we get into some of the stuff that we want to talk about here uh, today, I want to ask you about COVID fatigue because we're talking a bit about mm. this. Malika Kareem, one of our news reporters, our global news reporters, was on earlier talking about this. The mayor of Brandon referred to it in a video on social media uh, today. Um, we really have had enough of this, haven't we? You know, I see two sides to what's happening. I mean, in, in the people that I'm talking to, one is that I think um, I'm hearing more and more people taking it, actually taking it seriously, honestly, because um, it feels like there's more people that, uh, you know, who are actually affected by this. You know, there's the, uh, before it was like, well, you know, there's this COVID-19 thing, but I don't know anybody who's had it. Now it's more like I've got a, you know, a sister or a friend's friend or something like this, or somebody I know who's kind of ill or serious or it's serious. 
mm-hmm. but I do think that um, that people are also, you know, developing their own opinions about it and are are much more um, are following their own advice. Yeah. And um, you know, as this happens, people become their own expert and. And I think it's, I don't know if it's COVID fatigue in terms of like, I'm tired of doing these things, but it's almost COVID desperation where it's like, I need to keep going with my financial life. My, uh, you know, I can't, I can't pause my life anymore. And uh, so I think this is a real challenge for people. That is definitely part of it. Yes. Uh, some people almost in denial uh, about the restrictions and this virus because they can't afford uh, for it to be real. And I think there is an element of denial there uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. I think that's absolutely part of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to feel for people out there and, and it's, and it's hard, but um, yeah, I mean, these things are real, it's growing. And, and I think there is kind of this um, kind of anxiety and urgency because it's like, well, you know, you hear these stories and, and um, it's not just in the news anymore. It's, it's in people's lives. Yeah. Well, listen, um, these uh, restrictions are tough, and hopefully a few weeks, and uh, we can start to loosen them up again. That's the hope, anyhow. Let's get to some of the uh, stuff that we've talked about, uh, chatting about here, Cyrus. Uh, Our first headline, the four types of tears of joy. Who knew? I thought it was one, you know, tears of joy. That's one, but there are four different types. You probably will recognize these as I list them off. So the first one here that they found was affection. So this would be kind of when you experience love, when you experience kindness, or maybe when you witness it. So maybe crying at a wedding or something like this. You know, you you have this affection. You you see affection, uh, that kind of thing. Another one here is achievement. So if you actually you know get somewhere, you can get the diploma or you have the car that you've always wanted or or something along those lines. You got the job. And all of a sudden you have this feeling of achievement and you can kind of well up when you, when you have that. Another one is beauty. I thought that one was interesting, you know, just kind of overcome with awe at something. Mm. So you climb the mountain, you look right. down and, and there's that. And uh, then the last one is, is probably the most familiar or, or maybe another really familiar one, which is amusement. People sometimes cry because they're laughing so hard. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's kind of interesting to see that there's there's more to this. Um, there's there's kind of these different types of emotions that can produce tears. Hey, let's talk about tears and, and crying for just a quick second. It has nothing to do with mm-hmm. the, the headline and, and what you're you're talking about here. But I want to ask you because we do, I think, sometimes feel better after a good cry. I I was emailing mm-hmm. with somebody this morning who was talking about being upset and choking up, and and I said, hey, I just had a good cry last night. Uh, you know, it was a bit of a pity party. I have those once in a while. Nobody's invited. It's a safe COVID-19 pity party, right? Nobody can be around when I have a pity party. Well, poor Jackie kind of has to be around, um, which isn't great for her. Uh, but we do kind of feel better after we let it out, don't we? You know, I mean, there is a whole reality of like emotional expression and regulating your feelings, which is totally true. But I have to say that crying is still one of the mysterious things that we do that's related to our mental health. Um, it's hard to really understand, you know, why we have to kind of sob or why, we, why we're brought to, you know, our eyes watering when these things happen. Now, I remember one time doing some research on crying and finding that our tears are actually different. Uh, so if you are, you know, in the cold weather and you're, or something like this, your tear, the composition of your teardrops are different than if you're actually crying because of sadness. And so if you're crying and if it's just cold outside or your eyes are, it's more like your eyes are wet. 
and, and there's just like water all over your face. But if you cry and you're sad, it's actually more oily or there's, there's, I forget exactly. There's different things in there. Yeah. And it actually just creates a teardrop that sits more visibly on your skin and uh, kind of runs down your, your, you can see the drop and it drops off your face. And, and I, and then there was this theory that's like, well, maybe it's actually about being more visible when you're, when you're crying and you're sad, you're, you're trying to announce to the, uh, your tear maybe is trying to announce to the world, Hey, mm-hmm. I need help. Yeah. Uh, and so I want to be visible. And so, yeah, I mean, that's the best theory I have for why we need to actually have tears. Um, but there is this, there is, you're right. There is this reality and, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's very real that people will feel better after they cry, after you express your feelings, it's very helpful. The whole tear thing about it is still, that's the best I got, but it's very mysterious yeah. to me. Yeah. Well, and it's the same about, you know, talking about something that's bothering you. We feel better. Nothing mm-hmm. changes by talking about it, but mm-hmm. we do tend to feel better after we talk to somebody like Dr. Cyrus or even just a friend about things that are bothering us. That there's, a, there's a lot of pieces to that. It's kind of strange. I have a lot of people who come into the clinic who are like, I don't know how this is going to help me, you know, or, or something like this. And and, uh, and oftentimes it's kind of people who are sometimes saying, like, I don't know how this is going to help me, but I, but I want to come back, and, I, and it is helping, and I don't know why. And, um, and there's a lot of interesting factors about that. You know, there is the emotional expression. People can organize themselves when they talk about things. Um, people can, one of the big ones is normalizing, so we get our, our reality from other people. So if you tell somebody a story and they tell you what they think of it, uh, it actually helps you to create, you know, a, real, a social reality that you know how to feel about something like. So you can reduce shame. It's like, well, it's not as shameful as I thought. You're not upset about this. So you're, it's not as bad as I thought it would be. So there's there's a number of kind of factors, relationship factors. So it's it's interesting um, how talking is is in some in some ways so simple and you know not concrete. Like it's not actually building anything or making anything or or mm-hmm. doing anything in a, in a way, and yet it has so many different actual processes that help us and um it's not just re- it's not really just talking it's a, it's a lot of different things that happen then yeah interesting uh next headline here how mindfulness could backfire at stressful moments what's this one well people love mindfulness and i don't want to go against it too strongly here and you know i think the headline is actually a little misleading backfiring isn't really what they're saying here but they're there's been a lot of research on mindfulness and they're just so used to finding positive results around mindfulness that it's kind of was surprising to them when, when they looked at people who were actually experiencing stress. Mindfulness didn't help them. The, the, the personalities that are more mindful did just as well as those that were not as mindful when they were actually going through a stressful moment. When the mindfulness was really helpful was afterwards, you know, when you're actually having to process the stressful moment afterwards and recover, which is usually what we're doing in psychology. Like, and as a counselor, as, as a therapist, you're dealing with people after the fact. Usually you're not there in the moment when they're having to you know, deal with something. And um, so that's why we think mindfulness is so great is because we see people who are mindful recovering faster and dealing with these things easier. But um, in the moment, yeah, it doesn't seem to be as helpful. It's just kind of is just another thing in your life. Um, and everybody's kind of, there must be other things that are helpful or not helpful. It's not mindfulness. So if you're going into a stressful moment, it's good afterwards to be mindful, but in the moment, it's not going to be as helpful. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.